I want you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 3 this morning. If I, if I looked in the natural today and with what's happening in the world, I would, it just breaks my heart that people aren't in church. I think this sanctuary should be packed every Sunday about three times. About three times. Um, I thank God for the health we have, though. And thank God that we can be in the house of the Lord. Uh, so I want to talk to you just as a pastor this morning. And I have some things that in the next few weeks I'm going to be sharing. I will tell you that uh, here in the next few weeks I'm going to be starting a series I've been working on for over two months. And it'll be, it began the latter portion of this month and go through uh, February and a little further than that. I think I have seven, eight weeks that I want to share with you. I believe these are the direction of the Lord for us this coming year in many ways. Uh, I took off a couple of weeks in November and spent a few days with my bride, and then I tried to spend some time with the Lord. I have prayed. I have sought the Lord. How many of you know that we need to be in the will of the Lord? And... Uh, so I'm going to try to be more pastoral instead of maybe, I don't know, whatever my ministry is. I want to be pastoral because I'm a pastor. And I want you to know that when you hurt, I hurt. And when you're in joy, I want to be in joy. So I just want to be, the wintertime, it's a little chilly outside. If you just use your imagination, we have a big fire, big fireplace here going. I want to talk to you like I would as a shepherd before a fire. I want to start by saying that the future is big business today. It's big business. Um, the future is bringing fortunes into investors. And you'll see, they, they invest to see the future unfold in many ways. Um, they hope for a prosperous future as we all do. Playwrights, scientists, historians, prophets, politicians, economists, investors are all making predictions about the future. They're all in place to try to take advantage and hope that it's prosperous. And I do too. I believe God wants to bless His people in the midst of it all. However, interest in the future has never been and is not a new phenomenon. From the beginning of time to know the future, humanity has always been obsessed with craving a sense of security, and that is if they had a secure future. We're all that way. We're human beings. But this has been since the beginning of time. And frankly, magicians and astrologers and seers and witches and psychics and mediums have been consulted and still are at a great rate rising rate, to interpret dreams, to try to see into the supernatural, to discern the signs in the heavens and what kind of decisions should I make and how should I live my life. But I want to declare early in the year of 2022, this generation, and I think the church needs to hear again, the only source of authoritative philosophy, and let me say prophecy, is in the Bible, God's book. It is the only authoritative word. It is the only 
book that I will follow. And almost one-third of the Word of God is prophecy, and it's dealing with and focus upon the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth to get his church and to set up a kingdom. You remember in the, in the prophecy of the birth of Christ, it was said that of his kingdom there shall be what? No end. And let me tell you, it has started and the kingdom you and I belong to because of our second birth is an eternal kingdom. And I'm glad that Satan can't take it away or shake it, aren't you? I don't stand on shaky ground. I stand on the absolute inerrant that will forever record it in heaven, the word of God. It becomes obvious then that God desires and God intends that his children be informed about the future over one-third of it about just the coming of the Lord. Not to mention many other things about what will happen after the coming of the Lord and the future and the eternal kingdom. God intends and wants us informed. Bible prophecies, ladies and gentlemen, are written to be encouragement to us. It is not to make us fear. Amen. I want you to turn to someone and say, don't fear the future. Don't be afraid of the future. Who holds tomorrow? Who's written the book? Who wrote it from the end and the beginning? This is our God. Prophecies were given for our encouragement. Jesus coming and all that we're looking for. And so many people are going, what's going to happen in the future? What, where are we in prophecy and all those things? And I think it's wonderful. I'm hearing pastors all over the country preach out of Revelation. That's good and fine. I think we should know. But I want to tell you, the coming of Christ and his prophecies about that, I believe, were given to motivate us, and it should motivate us, to deeper commitment to God and to a greater obedience. Whoops, let's start over. A deeper commitment and a greater obedience. Well, we got there finally, thank you. An absolute trust in the eternal Savior of our eternal souls. Listen, God has to be in first place. First place. He has to be in first place. So I changed it two or three times. Here's finally what I came up with. My title this morning is this. His promise to return and its effects upon the believer. And I, I'm, I'm just going to try to skim across here a little bit. I've touched some fine points and let, you, let the Spirit of God teach you. But I just want to declare to you the early Christians lived in an atmosphere of expectation at any moment of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. One of their words of greeting, if you remember, was Maranatha. Maranatha, it meant the Lord is coming, the Lord is coming. The New Testament Christian thought that the Christ would return any moment. That is a picture of how we're supposed to live. Their whole lifestyle not only what they believed, but their lifestyle was that of an enthusiastic, unashamed witness from a holy aspiration that they would be ready and they would glorify Christ as he came. 
And I want to say in especially 2022, it should be the same effect upon our lives. How many of you know that the change in our culture has changed the church? We'll be talking a little bit more about that. It is my personal belief that the church should be changing the culture. So I want you to follow with me in some of that simplistic but much needed areas I think the Spirit of God would speak. How is this promise of God's return in His Son to affect the believer? Number one, it should affect our worship. It's our hunger and it's our coming before the Lord. Remember in the Old Testament how austere it was in the tent of meeting and then in the tabernacle in the holy place and the most holy place. I trust your knowledge of that. If not, read it, find out. Do you have any idea how God had set that program up so that sacrifice must be made on the outer altar. The blood was then offered through the priest and one time a year into the most holy place. And if that was not perfect and pure, those people were stricken dead. Let me tell you something. To be in the presence of God is something we should be comfortable with, but never take it for granted, ladies and gentlemen. We're in the presence of a high and holy, righteous God. Isn't it amazing we can be like his children and yet there's that austerity about God that absolutely should keep us in a reverential awe about a God of such power and holiness and righteousness. The balance, or the believer that looks for Christ's return, I believe, and I'm going to get in trouble, but I'm going to believe this. I want to tell you it's important how we come to the Lord and how we live in that. I want to go to my text, and I'm going to be reading in 2 Peter chapter 3. And I'm going to be reading in verse 11. I'm sorry, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." Let me read in verse 11. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in what? Holy conduct and what? Will you say those words? Holy conduct and godliness. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Let's go down to 14. Therefore, beloved, looking which way? Looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. That is so great, powerful words. Watch this. Our worship should take on a great intensity. I believe that meeting and fellowship with believers is an imperative in the New Testament word for us. Hebrews 10.25 says it very plainly. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some, 
but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What is the day? It's the day of the Lord coming when he comes for the church. Just consider, just consider how weakened, and I'm not trying to be negative, I will stay in reality. Just consider, and I'm talking about the church all over the world, but especially in America, just consider in the last decade how weakened the church has become. Pastors, can't you see anything positive? Absolutely. We're, do you know that we are the only denomination in several in a decade or so that is growing and the others are in decline? You should read some stats. I want to tell you that we are told in the word not to forsake the assembling of ourselves. The church has become weakened in America. It is being marginalized in our society by our politicians, by even the church, the worshipers neglect, and by schedules and demands. And of what of the fear of government mandate? How many of you know that we should obey this word even above the government, ma government mandates? Pastor, you're trying to stir rebellion? Absolutely not. Read about what God says about it. But ladies and gentlemen, in the last day, Satan has played these things on us. Our worship should still be a major importance of our life. Aren't you glad you're here this morning? <laughs> Thank the Lord. We are a weakened church. And I do not want you to consider me unkind. But we cannot deny the result that the church in America is under attack. And ladies and gentlemen, the church and the people of its membership had better fight for the church. It is the only organization that God has put a promise that hell cannot prevail against it. I want you to know that our schedules we have succumbed to them so greatly that, and I don't mean, I'm going to meddle a little bit. I was raised where we had church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and we had youth groups beyond that, and we had fellowships, we had revivals, we had all. Listen, my, my family lived 15 miles one way. It was a 30-mile drive, and sometimes we were on muddy roads. We had old pickups that wouldn't work. Me and my two older sisters rode numerous for years in the back of a pickup to church and back, and my dad would kind of drive around sometime behind the back so people wouldn't see us get out of the pickup because they had better. I want to tell you, God was priority, and so was church, and we, my dad had the idea, and my mom, you will not have church without us. And I want to tell you, that's a great, it's the best investment you'll ever put in your children's life. And Sunday school diminished. Hello. And then we went to life groups, and that's fine. I thank God that we have them now, and groups that we meet. But you notice, you know what happens? We come and we taste. Where is our faithfulness? I want to say, where is, the, where is the commitment of the church today? Where are the parents that say, like Joshua, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, and God will be priority over ball games and sports and school and everything else? Where is that? You say, Pastor, you expect us to be in church. You got it. 
Why, Pastor? Because you just want a big crowd? Yes. But I want to tell you, God does things in these places and hearts that he does no place else. And it's so important. It, it's important. But why? Number one, let me say this. As we approach the end of the age, let's face it, the world is becoming intensely more hostile. If you don't believe it, look at our crime stats. If you don't believe it, look at our streets. If you don't believe it, look at the stir in the, in the supernatural satanic world. You cannot imagine. Look at the shows about the, what they call it, paranormal. And let me just say, it is more hostile today toward believers. You and I are unwanted even in our own society today. We are a menace to society because let me tell you something, living full of self and living full of the pleasure that Satan gives will absolutely no, want no conscience and we're the only thing today, I believe the church, that I think we're the only thing that's between this world and the coming of God. Saints, we must maintain our fellowship. Secondly, why? The certainty of the Lord's return makes the believer more aware. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm more aware today. Lord, do you know what? Sometimes Satan takes, it, we take powerful things and they become commonplace. How many of you know, my, my parents, how many of you have ever heard this? Uh, familiarity breeds contempt. Oh my, I used to hear that talk. Son, familiarity breeds contempt. What that means is, if you're not used to that, we take even powerful and important things and we get so familiar with them that they have some way of being diminished. And, and we don't recognize the fact. Ladies and gentlemen, may we never, never, never diminish the fact that God visits with us. God visits with us in this place. Let me just tell you something. If suddenly, at this very moment, that door were to, well, it doesn't even have to open. What if the Christ walked right through that door just like he did when the, in the disciples? It would change this whole atmosphere. It would change our whole thing. When you come to the throne of God, and when you come into this place, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus does walk into this place. I think we, we become more aware that this age and its values are not lasting and they are not fulfilling. All across this globe today, the masses all in all nations are crying, just as he said, for peace and safety. Wars and rumors of wars are absolutely everywhere. But I want to tell you some news. The genuine believer has a different set of priorities and worship with fellow believers is among them. Let me tell you something. I look forward. I crave to be here with you. We need each other's encouragement. And I want to say very quickly, I'm not suggesting, and please don't take it out of context, I am not suggesting that church attendance is a requirement for salvation. Many 
do have health problems, and I understand we're in sickness, and I understand that. But there comes a time, ladies and gentlemen, I believe when we have to get to a place that we're either going to trust the Lord or not. And I don't want to be unkind with it. I'm just trying to tell you, everybody has to make those own decisions. But as for me and my house, if we're going to trust God, sometime we have to trust God. I'm convinced the importance of corporate worship in a local church is God's plan for all believers. Amen. Pastor? I think the church... I think the church needs to come back in its strength. Number two, his promise of return should affect our work. The twice-born believer is looking for the future. How many of you will be glad when we get to the kingdom? We look there, and we know, he, she, the believer, we know that our labor is not in vain. Look at me in first, with me in 1 uh, Corinthians um, chapter 15, I'll, I'll look at verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's be steadfast, immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord. The, the promise of the coming of God should affect what we do for Him. Saints, there is a day of reckoning coming, and God wants us to be encouraged by the fact, not discouraged by the fact. And the day of judgment for the faithful will bring a, will bring a blessing, and listen, our judgment for the believer will be a very blessed day. Blessed day. I think we look at it, well, oh, I want to be ready and all those negative things. Listen, when the trump sounds, that's going to be a blessed, blessed, blessed day. When I get to the kingdom at the Bema seat or the Beta seat, I'm going to be rewarded. Yes, if, if, I've been, if I've been fruitful, I'll be rewarded. If I have not been, I won't receive that reward. But ladies and gentlemen, the day of judgment will be a blessed day. John the Revelator saw it, and he said, in the future their works do follow them. Aren't you glad we don't work for the Lord in vain? And I will just tell you this, it's more difficult all the time to get volunteers in church. So I'm trying to make this practical. When you need some help, like today, we're going to de de-decorate, <laughs> didn't work. I, I, I just, what do you call it? Oh, un, not de. Okay. We're going to undecorate. We're going to take all this Christmas decorations down. <laughs> we could use your help for a few minutes. Thank you for that amen. Ladies and gentlemen, it's still true. We are laying up treasures, and we will enjoy the fruit of our labors. Also, the blessed hope and its anticipation will cause us to realize there's not much time to work. How many of you believe the Lord could return? How many of you believe the Lord could return? Then I think we ought to be more faithful and work more than we ever have. Amen. That's pastoral, but it's true. Jesus announced 
John 9 and 4. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. I believe our time is short. Saints, it's time to work. And it's now. It brings us to the next one. And I want to pay particular attention to these next two. Number three, his promised return should affect our witness. If you'll look in the text later that we read, it talks about holy conduct. It will affect our witness. Our witness will be marked in the last days by his promise coming by a sense of urgency. Our appeal will be an urgent appeal. Our concern and our compassion for those who might be left behind, ladies and gentlemen, should be motivating us today. Amen. How many of you won to the Lord last year? Pastor, that's so blunt. It is. It is. The church is weakened. And I'm not... I did, ladies and gentlemen, if we're preparing and we want to see the good and the blessed day of judgment, yes, 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 but I'm going to tell you something. God has called you and you and you and you and me and you and me and you and all of us to be his hands extended. Our lives should take on an urgency today it's never had. Everywhere we go, let the Spirit of God speak to us that our life is in a godly fashion. He, he, he called it holy conduct and speaking to others. The next major event on God's prophetic calendar, I believe, is the rapture of the church, which is the return of Christ to call the saints into the air. Most of us have loved ones who probably are unsaved. Do we understand, ladies and gentlemen, even in Christendom today, the urgency of bringing our loved ones, whether they be family or friends, to Christ? Do we understand the urgency? Church, Christ is coming. We should be living holy lives and telling them about the Lord. And lastly, his promise should affect our walk. And back to our text, he's talking about godliness. I am speaking now of the way, or should I say the manner in which we conduct our lives. The way we confront our spiritual responsibilities. Paul wrote to the believers, I'm going to turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 3. Listen to these words. Chapter 3 of Philippians Verse 18, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, selfishness, and whose glory is in their shame who set their mind on earthly things. Ladies and gentlemen, please hear me. I hear lots of ministries. I see them on the internet. I see them on television. I listen to them on the radio. I see books being published under the name of Christianity that like never before, I want to tell you as a shepherd and a pastor, be careful about what you listen to and what you read. 
Not all things under the name of Jesus are of Jesus. We have some very educated, very talented ministers today. And we have some in high places. And they write with an educated, tremendous ability with vocabulary. But I want to tell you, there are some that are not sheep. They are shepherds wrapped, or wolves wrapped in shepherd's garb. It is so important that we understand the genuine doctrine of Scripture. And let me just say something. This might make, if it'll help you think, I'll say it. Listen, we are so touchy today in America and across our world. We're so politically correct. We're so, we're so soft that we don't let anybody have any kind of uncomfortableness at all. And, and we step around issues until we are absolutely, it, it bothers me the, 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 the way we think and how we, we have totally become people who are blinded to the things of God. Please understand, this is supposed to affect our godliness. He wrote to these believers, but our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according, watch this, to the working by by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Pastor, what are you talking about? Paul was saying something like this. They were preparing to meet the Lord face to face. Salvation, true, genuine salvation, had given these people citizenship in heaven, and they were to be living in a manner that represented heaven while looking for the return of Christ on earth. That's important. That's important. Our walk, our manner of living. I just want to declare to you this morning, these are not easy times. I have been, I will just tell you, for probably two months or beyond, I have been so, I, I feel like I am a, I, I, I'm in an onslaught of the enemy. I text to a good friend the other day, I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, Satan will come at our minds today. Satan will try to manipulate our emotions. Satan will try to bring, listen, false teachers are everywhere. We must be rooted and grounded in this book. And you say, well, pastor, I can, that's why Wednesday evenings can I say, do you realize, let me just tell you something. All these singers, musicians, except for Henry, these are all volunteers, and they're as busy as you are. And we used to give them Wednesday night to try to rehearse and present a, a sacrifice like David did with the water from the well to present them. And we took that in a sense away, and now they, they have to do another time, and it's a, under more of a pressure thing. And we did that all so that we could bring the Word of God to this church on Wednesday nights. I think you should appreciate the sacrifice that some people make. 
And it appears to me that if they're going to spend an hour with us and they're going to spend another hour and a half, two hours trying to prepare for us, surely we could, we, we could become faithful and surely we can do our part to come and learn so that we're better witnesses and more empowered by the Spirit in the last day. Church, we need church. We need church. We need church. I keep leaving my notes and meddling. <laughs> I want to say we're in a confused world. How many of you know our world is so confused? Things that were, imagine this, things that were once almost universally viewed as wrong and evil and vile are now accepted in a major part of society. We used to call sin, sin. Today it's called disease. It used to be, it used to be called sin. Today it's called alternate lifestyles. Ladies and gentlemen, as merciful and loving as God is, and as merciful and loving as God is, let me say it again, as merciful and loving as God is, He will not change His plan and what is and is not sin. We have to say it. To all of you online or even in this sanctuary, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to know I love and long and burden for your eternal soul and your eternal destiny. I'm not here to try to be critical. I'm here to tell you there's a much better way of life and it really is life through the blood of Christ and accepting Him as your Lord and Savior will put you in a place for eternity that Satan cannot take from you. I'm, I'm concerned about our day. I want to say this in closing, Generation 2022. I mentioned it. sin is almost a forgotten concept. Society is corrupt. But believers are members of a different society. How many of you know the Lord and you've come to the Christ? How many of you know? Do you know that because of your salvation, you're a citizen of heaven? You're a citizen of heaven. We are citizens of heaven. I love the old song. I used to sing it when I was a kid. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And heaven beckons me. But I can't be at home in this world anymore. I'm here on assignment. We're here on assignment. Is Christ going to return soon? How soon? You know only the Father knows according to the Word. But our future, mine and yours, and His coming were prophesied all through the Old Testament and the New. And among all those prophecies, they said, you'll see signs and you'll know a season. I want to declare to you, signs and seasons are here. I want to speak to the unbeliever. Here's good news. 
as twice-born men and women and young people, we love your soul. We love people. God loves people. He so gave his only son. But here's the thing, God never forces. God is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit will woo you. He will try to use meager efforts like I do this day to come to a knowledge of where the future and what is and is not true. But here's the thing, you will determine where you spend eternity. God lets you make that choice. Not willing that any should perish, we read it. God lets you make that choice. So I want to speak very plainly. If you, if you believe and you say yes, Lord, to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, when He draws you to a relationship with Christ by accepting Him as your Savior and Him as your Redeemer and believing that His blood washes you white as snow, I'm here to tell you your eternal future can be secure. How many of you are glad? can be secure. So saints, is the Lord's return, is the Lord's return, is the Lord's return affecting your life as it should? Is the Lord's return affecting your worship, your work, your witness, your walk? And let me ask you, will we be ready? I want to finish with a text, the closing of that chapter that Paul wrote to the Philippians. I mean, in that same chapter, verse 17. Listen to these words. You, therefore, beloved. If I've ever been a member of a club or an organization, I want to be a member of that group right there. How about you? He's a good, good father. Therefore, beloved, since you know these things beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness being led away by the error of the wicked. Let me stop and say something. Many times I've sat in counsel with Christians who've made major mistakes. And I just want to make you aware of something. And maybe you're online today. Maybe, maybe you've been in the church. Maybe you're saying, I, I've forsaken the church. I got hurt and I got wounded. Let me tell you something. Satan will always try to make that the case. But I want to share something with you. If Satan can't keep you from doing sin, which is wrong, he can get you to do good out of balance and the same effect is occurring. I see so many people that get things out of balance but it becomes the same effect. Ladies and gentlemen, the most, one of the most elusive things we've ever experienced in, in being a human being is a pro, keeping a balance. 
I'm going to jury you to go to Revelation and read at the throne judge, white throne judgment where one foot is on the earth and one foot's on the sea. I want to tell you that God's going to put it all in balance. Listen to it. You know these things beforehand. Lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. Listen to this and I'm through. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. I wrote this years ago on my Bible that's just worn out. And I'm going to end with it. I don't know what year I wrote this in here, but because that scripture ends on kind of a blank page, I wrote this. I can tell it's really, really old because I don't write this small anymore. (laughs) I put Brooks. I wrote a note to myself. It says, Brooks, God is in control and God's on time. He will never be delayed by outward circumstances. And may we never be diminished by outward circumstances. I decided I'm going to end a little bit differently this morning. I'm going to let you stay seated. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And if you're online, I just want to tell you, if the Spirit of the Lord as I say, is knocking on your heart's door. Jesus said, I knock at your heart's door. If you will let me in, I will come in. And I will sup with you. I will commune with you. I will fellowship with you. I will change your life. All the bitterness and all the cynicism and all the hatred and all those things will leave you if you'll pray place Christ at the throne of your life. I want to pray with you so you can do that. Pray after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to become my Savior. I receive you as the divine Son of God. I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that you are the Christ. And I know that I've committed sin and I cannot pay that sin debt. So God said He gave you. I will accept that sacrifice. Make me a newborn newborn child of God let me Lord know that you reign in me in peace and joy Lord that God you will not only be my Savior you'll be my Lord God I thank you for the weight of sin lifted off of me because I confess you as my Lord and Savior and I thank you for it in Jesus name if you prayed that prayer with me online today go to our website and push that's me I want to communicate with you and help you. But for us in the sanctuary, with heads bowed, I want to take just a minute to ask you, is the promise of the Lord's return bringing an urgency to my worship? Does it take me the first two songs or do I come with an expectation, Lord, of an urgency that I need to be in your presence. Lord, for Christ's legacy, 
And can I say for Christendom across this nation, let your promise in the imminent return for the church make our worship to be so genuine. And Father, with such urgency, Father, will that promise and its knowledge help us, Lord, as we do your work. Let us put aside, Lord, the weakness of our flesh. Let us put aside, Lord, the fear of being criticized or rejected. Father, they don't, if they criticize or reject, it's not us, it's you. But Father, it's our place to give opportunity. Father, to witness in wisdom. Father, does your return affect our witness? God in godliness. Lord, does it affect our walk? Lord, are we still in the place where we so easily look to the world and its values and compromise God? Yes, Lord, I could sum the whole message up this morning. Does the fact and the knowledge of your promise coming take me to a desire where I hunger and thirst after righteousness and where I hunger and thirst, Lord, to be obedient in a way perhaps that I've never been. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Father, for your mercy. Thank you, God, for your long-suffering toward us. Help us somehow, Lord. To be delivered from the pull and the concepts, Lord, and the entanglements of this late day in a world system, Lord, that is trying to totally destroy anything about the Lord. Father, we, we march to the city of a different world. Father, enrich our lives. Help me as a shepherd, Lord, to keep us, Father, in a place where priorities are you. You're the priority. You're the priority. You, Lord, are the priority. Lord, you take priority over everything. Lord, even our marriage mates. Even our children, our jobs, our places, Lord, you are. I guess, Lord, the Spirit's drawing us to make you number one, Lord, first place in our hearts. Because, God, if you're first place, all the other things fall into order. Lord, if we were to put you first place, you know how to heal marriages. Father, you know how to help finances. You know how to deal, Lord, with lost children and grandchildren. God, you know how to do all those things. I just thank you, God, that you can do abundantly above. Help us, God. I call us, Lord, into a consecration. It's a consecration, Lord. 